Welcome to Mag's Mind. I'm your host, Zach Wiseman. Join us as we explore current trends in social impact, life, culture, and even purpose. In the meantime, we invite you to sit back, kick up those feet, and come sail away with us. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Tiffany Shireen, founder of Optolytics Media and Mag member. Tiffany has a storied background coming from the advertising and marketing world, working for one of the world's largest agencies. And she also teaches introduction to marketing at the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York. So thanks for joining. Hey, Tiffany, thanks so much for joining us on the episode of Mag's Mind. How are you? Good. I'm good. I'm excited. How are you? Me too. Me too. Uh, I am well. Thank you. I feel like that that question these days just like carries some weight. It's like, <laughs> it's like yes. that's someone that I read online. It was like you need to, you need to ask like how are you really? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like the the whole you know the obligatory you know when you start an email. I hope you and your family are well. And it's like when. <laughs> You know, at what point is it not okay to say it's getting too much now? So yeah, I definitely see where you're going. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm really excited for our conversation. Um, as you and I know, and maybe some in the MAG community, but the wider audience may not know, you and I are avid music fans, if yes. you will. Um, yes. Subscribers, purchasers, <laughs> visitors. Um, oh, thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and you also do done so much cool and fascinating work in the world of you know generally kind of advertising brands and marketing and analytics um so i'm really excited to kind of go on this journey with you of you know talking about music and analytics and how that actually relates to brands and and all we're seeing today um but to kick things off earth wind and fire Uh, (laughs) that is i I lit up when you said that that is your band so Mm -hmm. Give me some context to how many shows do you know? How many times you've seen them live? Can you count? (laughs) Um, I will see them. I think (laughs) since I've lived in New York, um, I've lived in New York over 10 years now. I'm close to 13 years now. So I've likely seen about seven times here. Okay. Um, Twice in Atlanta in tennessee where i'm from um so that's nine ten 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 yeah it's ten <laughs> that's pretty good that's um yeah i think like you and i are talking about what what if if, if we groupies like what is that level is it once you hit the 10 mark because i'm <laughs> i'm at 11 with ben harper who you know i'm a big fan wow. of and yes. so I, I think fortunately for me, I've just over those 10 years, I've moved. <laughs> so he's, <laughs> it's been easier because like, you know, I saw him when I lived in Austin. I saw him multiple times when I lived in San Francisco. I saw him when I lived in Claremont. I saw him when I lived in Dallas. So, um, but there is, there's something right now of, you know, with, with everything going on with COVID and coronavirus, like I think us music and concert aficionados, it's like, I've appreciated some of the online stuff, but I do definitely miss the in-person concerts. And I don't know, it seems like, at least in the traditional sense, 
we are a long way away from, you know, a, a, a quote unquote normal concert. Is that how? I agree. Yeah. I agree. I will, I will tell you how obsessed I am. Um, there is an amazing concert from, I think, 2005 with <laughs> Earth, Wind and Fire in Chicago on YouTube. And I, it looks professionally done, the video. I'm not, I don't know if it is, I don't know if it isn't, but I have probably seen this concert <laughs> like once a week <laughs> since March. And it was like the liveliest concert. It's like, I've never seen it before. I watch every, every time like I've never seen it before. Oh but, my God, that's amazing, yeah, right. I, I, miss the vibes of you know of a good especially a good hearted concert bill you know yeah um yeah. so i don't know of the right of that 2005 video i'm gonna find it but it's like there's 10,000 views and tiffany is 8,000 of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's also the music front it's like there is i think to me it's always been an outlet it's been like a stress r release right like i i'm someone you know i'm prone to like kind of get swept into technology social media like i love being outside but to get my the my brain the distance it needs not just like my body like music has always been that it like helps me in a weird way shut it off yep. i don't know if that's yeah, yeah. but i it's miss that piece thing. yeah and very you, yeah. you mentioned youtube which is interesting and part of this conversation because you and i were sharing a statistic that we came around that that you know you're expertise and interest in metrics and analytics there are for our listeners youtube has on its press page one billion with a b hours are watched on youtube every day one billion and to me i don't know about you tiffany it's like i can't even really wrap my head around what that number is <laughs> it's a lot like visually what how many zeros is that <laughs> exactly right it's actually i'm looking it's one two three four five, it's nine zeros <laughs> <laughs> and so there's eight thousand seven hundred and sixty hours in a year um if i did let's check that math 365 times 24 yeah eight so basically 8800 hours in a year so that means there are a hundred and just over 114,000 years watched on YouTube every day. Years. <laughs> like That actually doesn't shock me at all, though, Zach. Um, you, I, I don't even know. It's YouTube, it's almost like, let me Google this. You know, yeah, that, that's not become true. the new thing. Let me Google this. Not No longer, let me search this. Let me Google this. Um, YouTube is like, oh, I need to YouTube this. Um, there are so many, especially with the, well, we've kind of slowed down now, but you know, over the last few years with the busy lives that everyone leads, you know, you're, you're going out, you're seeing family, you have friends, you have to work, all the things, the ways that you're moving, you hear about interviews, whether it's on the radio, whether it's on TV, um, people have phones now with video camera recorders and they're recording yeah. events, they're uploading on YouTube. There are so many things where I'm on YouTube and I see something funny and I share it with you. Or, you know, you hear about something, you're like, well, I'm going to YouTube this. Now that's become a verb. Or it's like, <laughs> I'm going to YouTube this now. Um, but when you really think about it in the grand scheme of things, how often are you YouTubing something because of something that you've heard? Now that you're I... all home and you're now catching up on, I think I saw like something happen with some celebrity and it came out like recently. And I was like, oh wow, that really happened? Well, it was something that happened like seven years ago, but people are just now <laughs> regurgitating content because they're like, oh, you weren't paying attention then because you were out mm. having fun, but since you're in the house now, look at this video. So oh, that's funny, that's right. That's not a shocking statistic at all. 
so and and to your point right are you saying like we're we are we have a little bit more free time in some ways and some diff new and different constraints on our time but people are like catching back up on that content or right those numbers have probably i'd be curious from youtube like how much quarantine and lockdown has has affected it but you're right it's become a thing like you need to learn something mm -hmm. you go to youtube how to prep mm -hmm. dinner or how to make how to change this it's funny we had um when i was in college so i graduated from college in 2008 a friend of mine was in a learning from youtube class and we thought that was like the biggest joke like what do you mean learning from youtube like there's a class on this in 2008 you know and for context like the iphone came out in 2008 like you know we mm -hmm. think like it's just crazy that that wasn't that long ago and and anyways but now i'm glad he got that education because <laughs> it's like it's become such a part of our lives but keep, keeping in the like analytical trend right like and obviously your work you know context is key and i think as you and i were talking about before you know well that's there's 8 billion people or so on the planet. So really that means everybody on the planet is watching 20 minutes a day and exactly. you and I streaming Ben Harper and <laughs> earth wind fire concerts were probably on a little bit other end of the spectrum of the 20 minutes at times <laughs> to up that average for somebody who's, you know, like my dad, who's not watching YouTube. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. But the other platform that you and I share and use is Spotify. And so, yes. and I think from a branding perspective, Spotify does a really awesome job in those, like, you know, your, your year in review, yep. your numbers and your metrics. I mean, I think I love that. Right. They're really good. Yeah. And so, yeah, you and I were talking, I have some of my numbers here, basically from 2015 through 2019, I averaged probably around 44,000 minutes a year on Spotify. And I consider myself like a heavy Spotify user. And a, a friend of mine works for Spotify and she said, you know, well, actually the statistic is the average Spotify user spends two and a half hours a day. So that's 54,000 minutes a year on Spotify. And if you look back, I'm below average over the last five years, except for one year. <laughs> so have right. you ever looked, do you get the Spotify numbers? Have you ever like looked at them? I, I do get my year in review. I need to go back and look at my numbers. I'm scared to, and I'll, t I'll tell you all why. Um, so in Manhattan, you know, naturally, especially Monday through Friday, everyone takes a train everywhere. Not right, right. now. Right, right. Everyone takes a train everywhere. Well, before I leave the house, I turn my Spotify app on. Okay. Um, and I'm listening to music. I have like daily, I have my, I have theme names for my playlist. We're not going to get into that today, but I have things <laughs> there for so I'm like, oh, what do I want to listen to today? What mood am I in today? Um, and so I would hit play and then I would leave the house door to door, meaning I leave the house, get on the train, walk to work, get to work. It takes me about 45 minutes. When okay. I get to work, I'll set up and do whatever I need to do for the day. My headphones are still in. My music is still playing. While I'm working, my music is still playing. Maybe I'll take a break and say hello to people. I'll go back. My music is still playing. Um, <laughs> I play music all day. Maybe take a break, maybe twice, speak to people, get back on the train, get back home. If I have to stop at the store or pick up dinner, you can just forget it. Like the music is still going. <laughs> I would say if I leave the house every day at around, I don't know, 6.30 or 7, 
mm-hmm. um, a.m. And I get back home sometimes around like eight or nine. You're talking roughly over like, <laughs> roughly over 12 hours a day. 12 hours, right, right. So Maybe you're an hour or two out of that. We're talking about 10 hours a day on average. 10 hours a day, Five okay. Days. Yeah, so you're like four, four times the average <laughs> user. Yes. Which is still kind of crazy because that's a lot of, that's a lot of Spotify mm-hmm. listening or music listening, which is um, envious of it. That's amazing. And, and I'm sure you have it like curated so well, <laughs> but that's so you're, so whatever, 50,000, you have like 200,000 minutes. So you would be. And let's just start about the weekends because I have a smart TV. <laughs> <laughs> And my app sits on there. So if I'm like around the house, if I'm cleaning oh up, doing work at home, like right now, I don't listen to it on my phone anymore. My phone's like, what's going on? I'm getting all these breaks now. But, um, <laughs> you know, I turn my TV on and it's there from what I was like, oh, I'll just play this again today. And so that's really that. Well, it begs, the question. <laughs> it begs the question, do you fall asleep to music? Like, is it playing when you fall asleep and like maybe it keeps going or no? Are you like, I need no, it? No. Okay. So, because no, I was going to ask, like, really, then, the, I think the framing for you is like, when is the music actually just not on? And then we'll do the math that way. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but that would be, you know, if you again, this the context of numbers and and metrics is, you know, if basically I saw a stat a couple years ago that sort of changed my thinking of time a little bit, especially as it pertains to work and life. That if you have an hour commute each way. Mm-hmm. It could be subway, tra- driving, whatever. That equates to one month a year of your of your life is spent in the car. Yep. So, you know, when you think about productivity too, with with companies now going remote, you know, some employees are getting now. I'm not saying you're working all those hours, but you're almost getting a month of time back by not exactly. having a commute. Um, but my Spotify numbers were basically I listen. And I'm one fourth of yours. <laughs> and I, so I listen to 40 days worth of music in a year. So you're 160, basically 50% of your year is with music. That's pretty good. And, and here's the thing, and I don't, I don't want to like jump ahead of any questions that you have, but here's the thing about Spotify that is really interesting. And anyone who's listening and listens to Spotify, you'll probably go back now, look at your user interface and see what I mean. Um, I appreciate the way they will curate lists for you, mm. meaning they'll have like your daily playlist um, or they'll have um, possible, you know, podcasts that you're interested in, or they'll have, you know, oh, this uh, artist just released an album. How many albums are being released on Spotify every day? We're not even talking about like major record labels. We're talking about indie labels that, you mm. know, you can just automatically upload your music or upload your albums or upload your podcast through Spotify. What I appreciate about it is because they are looking at the amount of time that you are spending within this application. It's almost starting you into this relationship here where they are giving you quality over quantity. So they're saying, you know what, we're not going to just have you build playlists and that's it. That's not what we want this. We don't want to just stop here. We want to go further and we want to understand your interests, understand uh, your likes, understand your dislikes, gauge you know things that you are listening to and what will pique your interest and not only will we see oh you listen to this artist let's let's show you what else this artist has come out with they'll also say well if you like this artist you'll yeah. love it's like the perfumes or the colognes you get in. you have you like 
your love. You know, but it's the same thing, you know, that they have with Spotify. And I really appreciate when a brand can say, I want to bring you more quality. Mm. Let me understand you a little bit more to be able to provide you that. And that's one thing I really appreciate about the, uh, um, the application. So would you consider Spotify then like a brand or a platform that uses data well? Is it fair to say? Yeah, right. Yes, I, I feel like definitely right. building on it every time you turn around like it's never right. just stagnant right which is which is great and and you do we spend it's like it's like you realize when you look at your numbers and statistics which they did a good job it's like i have a relationship with this inanimate thing <laughs> right like spotify and i definitely you and spotify spend a lot of time together <laughs> and so yes, yes. it is it's like you want the consumer it seems like these days wants to know that a brand is understands them is, and is listening um, and is doing it well and curating it like a Spotify. But then I think also you and I were talking about this briefly before it can go the other end of the way, uh, other end of the spectrum too, where it's either not done at all. And, you know, businesses lose consumers or lose potentials to upsell another customer or, you know, don't speak, in the right tone or manner to a customer. Like we all see those outputs, right? You buy something and then you get the newsletter for the exact same thing. Or, you you know, it's like, it's very palpable now when like a brand doesn't seem to have a good CRM, you know? And it's, it's like a deodorant company in New York that I love Buy it's called Buy Humankind. They did this whole big push that they created and I love them. And they created this whole, you know, we're gonna text now, they text you. Um, <laughs> which is more personal. And the first thing they texted me was like, hey, you know, we have, we're, we sell deodorant. And I'm like, well, yeah, I've been buying you deodorant for two years. Like you should, <laughs> you should know that about me, right? Like right. I thought we were friends. <laughs> right, but exactly. On the other end, you're seeing kind of like Facebook, you know, even YouTube, like their stories, there was a, you know, the New York Times podcast series was on get, being radicalized on YouTube. And there's like how the companies are using that data when maybe it's not in the best interest of the consumer, you know, there's that component too, right? There's like the total opposite of the spectrum where either they're not using it correctly to help the consumer or also like evil in some ways. Is that mm -hmm. fair to say? Is that, um, you know, that that's going down a black hole. Uh, <laughs> No, I, I don't want to say evil. I do believe there there is definitely there are definitely cases of misuse of data, um, mm. because you you can kind of get into some illegalities and you don't want to kind of go down that road. But if we don't look at that spectrum of it, if we're not gathering or collecting data um, that is for misuse, um, it can actually proved to be a very, very useful and very beneficial feature um, mm. for companies overall and for brands right. overall. Um, it definitely provides you with insight and intelligence that just knowing who your target audience is for your company or just knowing that, oh, well, this is a great brand. I love it. And so I'm sure people who are like me will love it too. It gives you more insight and intelligence than you can even imagine mm. with just those top, as I like to call them, vanity metrics. Mm. And you founding Optolytics Media, I think then that's part of what you do so well is also helping companies understand where and how to invest and have a system behind it. Because I do think, you know, probably people, any business owner, anybody in marketing, anybody who's like tried to also run that campaign or 
take data and turn it into an advertising campaign or market a small business, it's like extremely overwhelming. It's like, I don't know who, who to give money to for what and right. But that's where I think you do such an awesome job is helping organizations and businesses and companies of all sizes say, okay, like you can test things, you can spend here, we're going to evaluate it and, and, and understand the data to, to justify the ROI. And do you feel like it, it's so important these days because there's so many choices? Is it because like I could, if I had $10,000 to spend on advertising, I could put it nine bajillion different places? Yes, it is the equivalent of taking a two-year-old to Dylan's candy bar. That's, <laughs> I mean, you know. So and, I, you know I have a two-year-old, so right, that's exactly. why that, that I was laugh. thinking about it when I was saying it. Um, <laughs> you know, you, you begin to say, I have this product and I have this budget, right? Um, and you look at that budget in so many different areas. You have operations, um, you have personnel, you have, uh, you know, basic, you know, you know, whatever equipment that you need to be able to continue um, having your business work for you. And then you have marketing and advertising. And uh, my mentor told me one time a few years ago uh, when I was working uh, for his firm, he was CEO of my firm. And I remember I was going to my first client meeting. Yeah. He said, have you been to a client meeting before? And I said, no. And he says, good, know this, our presentation is for the chief marketing officer. But when you walk in that room, it's gonna be the CMO, the chief executive officer, and the chief financial officer. Now the chief marketing officer is gonna sit by you, but the chief financial officer is gonna sit by the chief executive officer. <laughs> and the CEO is gonna look at the CFO when they're done, when you're done with your spill uh, to see if they wanna make that decision with you. The CMO is gonna be your best friend. And so when you begin to think about that in the grand scheme of things, data is the way I like to see it. It brings two powerful arms together. It brings that revenue, that financial piece together, and it brings that quality and that marketing piece together. And it's so interesting that I ended hmm. up, I started in advertising and worked there for years and I love advertising and I love marketing. Uh, mm -hmm. Data came through about the midway point of my career and I said, wow, this and this can make this work and that work. And you have, you know, other companies, of course, bigger agencies who are doing this as well. But what we do at Optolytics Media on top of just doing media buying and planning and advertising and marketing is for a lot of small businesses, we take that data off of the marketing team's plate. Yeah. Uh, the marketing team has a lot right. to worry about. They're looking at who their target audience are. They're looking at budgets. They're looking at where they want to spend. They're looking at how they want to spend. They're looking at all of these different things that marketing teams look at on a day-to-day -day basis. Data, it's like the last thing on their mind. Right. They, they need it. It's, it's a definite need. It's almost like you can have a flowerless case. So I'm not going to say you can't. <laughs> but it's almost like you know. Right, yeah. Right. Flower. It's like you, you need that, that piece to be able to help you and inform you making those decisions. So one thing that we really do, and of course we customize um, our data practices to help whatever project we're working on at that time or whatever brand we're working on at that time. But there are really four key elements, really five really, that we answer with each of our um, audits and each of our campaigns that we work on. The first thing is we're looking at reach. We're looking at mm. who is your audience and how are you reaching them? 
Um, the second piece we're looking at is the engagement. And then that engagement, we're not talking about likes and comments and reshares. No, we're talking about the customer journey. When they are on your website or if they are in your store or if they're looking at a magazine that you're purchasing, what are they doing? Um, and right now, particularly as companies are moving or looking at more digital elements, I'm working with a lot of e-commerce brands now, they are wanting to know what are their customers doing? Are products ending up in a shopping cart and they're not buying it? And if they aren't buying it, we call that shopping cart abandonment. What are you doing to re-engage that consumer right. to get them to buy the next time? Which brings me to my next point with re-engagement, talking about sustainability. Are you turning people who are visiting your sites into loyal customers. The fourth piece is the conversion. And we're looking literally at every bit and piece of your conversion. Are you converting new customers? Are you converting uh, returning visitors? Um, mm -hmm. Who's more likely to buy, new or returning? If we're seeing that returning visitors are coming back, but they aren't buying, but new visitors are, what are we doing? Are we sending email campaigns? Are we doing pop-ups on their uh, digital right. um, to make sure that we're re-engaging them. They're clearly interest. So what are we doing to entice that interest? And then the final thing, after we look at those four elements of reach, engagement, sustainability, and conversion, we're now looking at your overall marketing investment. And we're figuring out, based off of those four elements, those quality elements, tying in that quantity element, when we marry those two together, what story is that telling? Is that telling us a positive story? Is it telling us that your quality is working, but maybe your quantity isn't so great? Is it giving us the vice versa effect? Are we seeing an even balance? What are we seeing here? And what are those insights? What are those key improvements that we can do moving forward for a more effective as well as an efficient marketing campaign? Sold. I mean, tell me where to sign. <laughs> well, you made, you made me, uh, your flowerless cake comment made me really laugh because it's like, We've all been at a party where you're like served flourless cake and you're like, mmm, this is delicious. And then you get exactly. home and you're like, oh my God, that was so terrible. Don't ever make me eat that again. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, of course, you have an allergy or something, of course. But, um, you know, yeah, you articulate that so well. And I think what's so neat about it from my perspective is like, I think consumers see it. And sometimes there's a disconnect. Consumers, like we all are all consumers. And we see when it's not done well, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's like the same thing. When you buy a product and you get advertised for the exact same thing. And you're like, well, who, who's not doing this right? Who's not looking at the data? Or who's, is exactly. Google ripping off Nike? Or what, what's happening here? You know? exactly. or, and you see it in other marketing facets too. Like when you know, an organization, could be an NGO, could be a small business, talks to you in a way that makes you stop and say, wait, you, I thought we had this relationship, right? Like the humankind mm -hmm. example, like, wait, I'm a evangelist for your brand. What do you mean you don't know who I am? You know, mm -hmm. and, but there is, there's also this like, as consumers, like we want people to, the brands to kind of know us, but then at, in the right way or at the right time, we also want to be able to say like, back off brand. Like you've got, you've come too far. <laughs> like, I don't need to be texting with every brand that I buy from, right? <laughs> right. And, yeah. and you know, one one thing, I am, I'm also a teacher. I teach marketing. Right. It's an introduction to marketing course. And the one thing that I try to, you know, I, it's, a, it's my secret sauce to get my students, my 19-year-olds and 18-year-olds <laughs> interested in this subject. The first thing I say, talk about is dating. Um, and I oh. say, 
marketing is essentially the same as dating. You're trying to establish a relationship with someone. You're trying to get to know them a little bit better and see what levels and how far this relationship can go. And, you know, if they come back after the first date or <laughs> if you can get them to convert and do the things that you do. And when you start thinking about, you know, those different stages and the marketing concept and thinking about those things, all of that stuff, data, all that is is intelligence to be able to lead us to a result of what we need to do. Um, one story that I tend I love to always that, by say the way, about dating. That's great. Yes. That's yes. So it is. It's, it's essentially the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one story that I tend to always tell people is that um, when you are interested in someone, the worst thing you want to have is a bad reputation. Mm. Okay. Because mm-hmm. especially in the, in the world we live in now with social media, um, and a world that we live in now that it's so small, everything is connected. You don't want people, you know, to money interested in ask questions about you. And then something comes back that isn't favorable. That's not right. going to work. And the first thing that people typically do when they are looking at buying a new product, they look at the reviews. I do it. Yeah. Right. You know, um, yeah. I am con- constantly on DSW's website because I love shoes and I love that shoe store <laughs> because I have a great experience there. Right. But because so many different brands i'm always looking at the brand reviews what do people have to say about this shoe which is to your point there's it's is their reputation sorry exactly no 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 you're you're completely fine and one element i'm not saying that out of the four quality metrics that i named earlier this is the most important i'm just really kind of push how important something can be when i talked about engagement and looking at the customer journey what are customers doing uh, typically, a lot of companies, that, a lot of websites that you go to, they'll have a testimonial site. Or even if you just Google, you know, a company, or they have like a Yelp review. People typically skip over your website and go to a review <laughs> and see what they're saying about you. Um, one ex- one story that I tend to tell people when they when I think about it is um, one year about six years ago, I believe, mm-hmm. um, a group of friends and I where we're going to go to the Dominican Republic. We we're all going to have like a big birthday trip and celebrate our birthdays together. Uh, we went in the middle of the summer and majority of my friends that went are from Tennessee where I'm from um, and I brought a couple of friends from New York with me mm-hmm. one person in particular I never traveled with them before um, so I didn't really think about it I said you know uh, what? Yeah. people love you they'll hit it off well you know you're fun you know so we leave New York um, and we fly into Miami we meet up with my Tennessee friends in Miami and we get on the plane as we are getting <laughs> on the plane and we're sitting down um, everyone's pretty much seated, except some people are still coming in. You hear this commotion, you know, towards the front of the aircraft. And I was like, what's going on? You know, not really thinking about anything. And apparently <laughs> what's happening is this particular person was upset with the flight attendant because the flight attendant asked them if they could please leave their bag on the jet bridge to be put in the belly because there was not right. enough room for that person's bag um, in the overhead. Like the bag. overhead? Mm-hmm. And so this Uh-oh. person's like, I have always flown this airline because I go to Dominican Republic all the time. I've never heard of that before. I refuse to do this. And then, you know, you heard some of like, it kind of like fade out, leading you to believe that the flight attendant won. We look up and it's the friend that I brought. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, okay, you know. I'm, You're I, like I'm sinking in your like, chair. Yeah, or... like, okay, maybe this is like a one-off thing. Well, it wasn't because my friend gets on the plane and starts seeing all of this alleged space in the overhead bin and Uh starts flipping out. The plane is full, Zach. I mean, I was, she's like (laughs) yelling, 
she gets on her phone because the flight attendant at this point is done. Right. We have pulled away from the jet bridge. <laughs> so they're already telling you to, to shut your phones down. She gets on her phone, calls the customer service at the airline company. <laughs> we have lifted off of the ground and she's on, I said, I didn't even know your phone could work. <laughs> that, that the like, it is insane. And the moral of the story is, the one one of my really one of my really good friends who was with me, who was sitting like diagonal, kind of looked back at my chair where I was sitting because we were both sitting like diagonal in the aisle. And she touched the aisle and she said, "The aisle seat." She said, "You've never traveled with her before, have you?" Right. And right. that made me. It, it, I went from feeling terrible to feeling like you get it, like you right. you, you understand. Like I didn't bring this person here with the idea <laughs> that it would be such a catastrophe, but literally. You have to be careful and see what people are saying about you. And that's yeah. such an easy metric to do. That should be something that you're doing, if not daily, weekly. Right. What's your digital presence? What's your digital reputation? Mm -hmm. Especially, like you said, I mean, I, that's such a good story. Because, right, for your, your Tennessee friends, you're like, here's my New York friend <laughs> in all her glory that I didn't know about. But, right, then you... There's, there's that tie with like brands and relationships or organizations. You, mm -hmm. when you purchase, you make an investment, you're spending time and money and you're voting and right. Who did you just vote for? <laughs> and mm -hmm. I like your, I like in, in your class at, at fit the, that dating analogy too, because it's like, we've all have a friend or, you know, who maybe overcame a really bad first impression <laughs> or bad reputation, but there, it took work or it took some time or energy. Right. And, and I think like, you know, Facebook, sure. It's like a brand that is like kind of, you know, keeps going back and trying to like fix reputation. We've all, I felt like exactly. 2018 or so was like the brand apology tour year, right? It was like Uber mm -hmm. apologized and got a new CEO, Wells Fargo, Facebook. It was like every commercial was, you know, we're sorry, not sorry. But that's interesting, like with the brands to think about it in that way. How do you want to make a good first impression? How do you want to do some research and how do you want to feel prepared and right. but also have the right follow-up and if that person right. is interested in you and wants a second date you're giving it the right attention and you're not coming on too strong yeah it's such a good example I hadn't thought about it that way it's it's a it's an art you know and it is yeah I'm I'm I've been I'm old and married so I'm a little <laughs> bit out of the dating game but I still get it well, <laughs> no 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 to, to, and to, to piggyback off of that, you know, when we, when I talked about sustainability as, as a metric to measure and are, you know, people turning into loyal customers. So if they're coming back for more, don't just stop, understand, do the Spotify, you know, uh, methodology, right. understand what they are interested in, understand what they like, understand their, you know, what they value and figure out how to advance those technologies or, you know, what qualities can you improve on? I know you appreciate this when I said this earlier. Um, I had a friend of mine who's married now, she lives up here. And when, after she got married, she had the baby. And I think she was trying to like do a couple things around the house and her mom came to visit her. And when her mom came to visit her, her hair was tied up. She had like sweatpants and a t-shirt. <laughs> and her mom said, she said, are you okay? And she was like, yeah. She said, I'm just doing some stuff around the house. And she said, well, you like, you're done. And she was like, well, yeah, I just really haven't kind of, you know, got everything settled yet. And she was like, well, what time's your husband gonna be home? And she said, um, 
you should be home in about 30 or 45 minutes. And she said, okay. And she said, she said, as her mom was leaving, she said, do you look like this every time he comes home? And she goes, what? Because she wasn't understanding where her mom was going. And she said, listen, people tend to appreciate the way you looked when they married you. So just try to make sure that you, you know, keep that consistent, you know, across the board. And, you know, things happen. You know, you have medical, you know, excluding, you know, any outlier in that situation. You want to make sure that you are measuring how loyal are your customers being to you? And, you know, over time, you know, if you're seeing that, you know, other competitors are entering the marketplace and they are valuing certain features and certain benefits that those competitors are offering, what can you do? And don't just wait for the competitor to come into the marketplace. It's always easiest to say, well, right. I was getting ready to, you know, dye my hair before you went and met her. No, you know, you know, what can you do <laughs> over time, you know, to keep the, those, those customers loyal and what can you do to keep that base sustainable? Um, that's something that is right. a continuous measurement. It should never end. Right. No, and, and you, I love that example, uh, the, the story you read with marriage is funny. And yeah, fortunately for my wife, I'm like a fine wine. I'm just I'm better with better age. over time. <laughs> yeah, there's like more of me, but I'm getting better. <laughs> no, it's, it's, you're right. But because what's interesting, though, there's, you know, for, for um, a MAG project we've been working on with working with an organization on their branding because I think technology plays a role in this too and what the lens you're adding which is so important is like how are you actually measuring and analyzing this is I think because technology and like we're seeing with COVID the you know and we're going to see more unfortunately I think with like climate change and stuff like the ground is shifting right and that could be driven by lots of factors and you know I think a lot of people felt like COVID just sped up certain timelines of certain yes. things. And, and so, but when you, when I, your story about like kind of the marriage thing is, as I'm interpreting it is it's important to, you know, for brands and organizations, like you're creating a vision or you're, you're also selling a vision in a, in a, in a journey, or it could be a vision for the future or the work you're doing. And by, moving into that space more and having those values and also like you're saying, analyze them and understand how your data is supporting some of these things. You're, you're creating where the, the consumers can are coming with you. They're, they're more along for the journey and you may release a new product or you may release a new service or bring in like the DSW example, curate another brand, but you're like, I'm here. Like I, I I'm connected to what, how let me say this the why you're doing it and the how and the what and the outputs might change you know and i think we're it's like the data and metrics are so critical in that carving out the time to analyze that because the ground can shift so quickly because technology something can come out and they could be copying you tomorrow or another pandemic or climate change Mm -hmm. so i think that's a really good example or in a way to articulate is like create that space that consumers can stay with you as you as an organization change and adapt and evolve, whether inevitably you'll be forced to, or you'll need to just in your own journey. So those are, those are some great, um, great examples and, and anecdotes, Tiffany. Um, I know we're wrapping up on our time here. Um, 
I sort of wished I had some sort of great segue back to Earth, Wind, and Fire, but I'm not sure I do. <laughs> other than, other than I'm going to go watch a 2005, or you're going to send me the link and we'll share it around for this concert. Um, but yeah, I just thank you so much for all your insights in in sharing about the importance of data and what brands can do and how it relates to consumers. I think also, you know. We're not getting political, but we're in an election year. So everybody has like data and metrics <laughs> top of mind. But um, yeah, I, I thank you so much for your time and really look forward to continuing to, to work together. So thank you, Tiffany. I really appreciate it. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thank you. Okay. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining another episode of MagsMind. For more information about our work and our community, please visit magcollective.com, M-A-G-collective.com. Until then. Oh,